0: Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris. How's it going, Rachel? It's good. So it's, conf- it's still conference season somehow.
1: It is for me now. Yeah, as you're coming back from ASHA, today's an episode where we're going to be listening to more ASHA interviews. Um, I am, you know, you know that I record in the closet. You can see that I'm in the closet. I got the bag open here on the floor and I'm starting to pack things because I got two big conferences coming up.
0: So what are these conferences that you speak of in January?
1: Uh, So the first one is coming up here on January 15th, which is the uh, Future Educators for Technology Conference, Future Educators in Technology Conference, I forget if it's for, in called FETC, and that's in Miami. And I got a couple of presentations going on there. One of them on January 15th is 29 ways to improve your inclusive practices. And that's with Mike Murata. He and I have done that presentation before.
0: I love that. I'm really excited. I'm actually having FOMO right now that I can't be a participant
1: in that. Yeah, he and I have done that presentation. Actually, we did it uh, last year at FETC and it was so popular. They asked us to come back and do it again. It sounds like um, uh, a tools dump, meaning... uh, 29 ways, a lot of people think that you're going to come and you sit and you're going to listen to us talk about 29 tools, but that is not it at all. It's all about really designing instruction with inclusion in mind. So if you're coming to FETC, come check that out. But then the next day, here's something kind of interesting, I think, specific to AAC is uh, I'm going to be doing a session with Jane Odom. So Jane Odom works for PRC. She's kind of the person behind the AAC Language Lab you've ever used any resources from the Language Lab, it's, it's likely because Janie Odom put it there. You know how I'm big, I'm big into coding and robots. Her and I got a conversation about it, and we said, hey, we should present this together. So we're presenting on robots at FETC as well.
0: I just have to say, I love Jane Odom. She's from, uh, she went to school at Temple, which is my alum, and she's so fun. We need to have her back on the podcast. She was on the podcast before, uh, but it's been a second. It's been a second since Jane has come on, so it's time to call her back in, have all her her gems of wisdom drop on the podcast. I love her. Well,
1: maybe I can grab her for a few minutes at FETC, and we can talk more about coding and robots or whatever else is on her mind. You know. <laughs> Sounds good except
0: I'm not going to be there so sounds like you can do that and then I'll also invite Jane back on when I can talk to her.
1: Yes, yes, we can totally do that. It'll be like it'll be like when you were at Asha and I wasn't, you know. It's true.
0: We're, when when is the day going to come Chris where we're both at a conference at the same time? Hopefully soon. I don't know. We don't have I think to the conference up. might explode if that happens.
1: <laughs> if someone wants to bring us out together, that would be awesome.
0: I know. A Talking With Tech themed
1: presentation. I love it. I think that would be awesome. Like Talking With Tech Live. You
0: know? Ooh, I'm already excited. That's, that's the name of it. <laughs>
1: So I do have another smaller session also uh, at FETC called How Flexible Learning Spaces Can Drive Inclusive Practices. Uh, in my neck of the woods, I'm the co-chair of a kind of a flexible learning space uh, task force uh, where we're trying to look at equitable ways to design learning spaces and you know the furniture that goes in there, the lighting, the temperature, everything, all the considerations so I, I'm going to be doing like a little a little presentation there about uh, what we've sort of learned it with that with regard to that and more specifically how that can be used really as a as a way to shift people's mindsets. You know, it's often a a, a general ed teacher um, might the first thing they might do is go, hmm, yeah, why, why does everyone have to sit in rows like what if I sat in beanbag chairs or higher tables or or lower tables, or sat on the floor, or stood, like people, it's really easy for people to wrap their brains around that flexibility. And then after they wrap their brains around that flexibility, they ask what else can I design more flexibly? And uh, that often changes their instruction. So that's what my, uh, that's my FETC experience. I love it.
0: I love it. Can you give us like maybe one or two other nuggets from your presentation? Because I am just curious, like what are some other things that we can start being flexible in when we're thinking about instruction?
1: Sure, sure. So one of the principles we've been talking about in our little group is that instruction and the environment around it needs to be able to morph or change based on the activity that you're designing. So um, and we call it, uh, there's a, there was like a famous article that was written about flexible learning spaces where they talk about thinking about three different ways of designing your room or three different spaces that kids might need to have. So one would be a, um, a campfire, which would be like a, a small group setting. You want to pull the, the furniture in a, in a situation or in, in an arrangement where kids can get in these small little groups, right? Like you're, Like you're sitting around a campfire. Another one is um, a watering hole where you might all come to this one place and listen to, to kind of one person talk. So this is more whole group instruction. And then, of course, there's the caves, which would be, I need to go off and go into my cave and just work by myself. Please leave me alone. I got I to gotta just be working alone for a minute or for however. And the idea that the, the, the learning space should be able to be morphed into any one of those at any given time. Um, so that, you know, when you think about traditional desks, it's really hard to make those things. Usually it's designed in the watering hole, you know, like it's everyone facing the front and someone, you know, all the kids looking at that uh, sage on the stage, that, that, that teacher talking to them. And, and you can, of course, pull groups, uh, you know, make te- desks into smaller groups, but then it makes it really hard to have that individual work. So... What if we found furniture and we thought about the room with those three ideas in mind and when we were outfitting classrooms, thought about those so that we're purchasing stuff with those three different situations in mind?
0: I love that. And I think that speech language pathologists who are listening, you can do this in your therapy rooms, right? That's not always a perfect fit, right? I feel like you are talking about, you know, furniture and things like that that might not be a realistic for some people, but I can't tell you how fun kids think it is when you they come into the room and you're like, "Okay, everybody, push all of the tables to this wall." Kids are like, "What's happening? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited!" <laughs> get some heavy work in there on the sensory on the sensory side, um, but you know we can manipulate the the tables and the chairs and the things in our environment, and kids get really excited about it. They're eager to learn when something's different and new.
1: Well, absolutely. And, you know, I really like the authenticity of, you know, going into a catalog and the kids working themselves to pick out furniture that you might go to the PTO or PTA or however you a grant, um, or maybe you're not even going to buy it. I mean, maybe you can't really even buy it, but just the activity of choosing what would we design the space to look like if we could, that would be also a, a you know, a fun therapy activity.
0: I love it. I have to share a quick story, Chris, because I shared this off air with you, but I want to share it on air because I think it's so cool. So anyway, I had a business connection that I met at a conference that I was at in Orange County. And um, this woman, she does a lot of stuff in education, uh, actually on the East Coast. She's in North Carolina. Long story short, I was, of course, talking about you because she was talking how she works with districts and talks about things that I always hear you talk about on the podcast. And I happen to have your book on my desk because I love it that much that it sits on my desk. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, paging through it being like, Hmm, what am I going to learn about today when it comes to assistive technology? Um, but she was so excited when I told her about the podcast and I told her that I knew you. Um, so anyway, if you guys haven't read Chris's book, I'm shameless plug, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug it for him. Cause I know he won't plug it himself. It's amazing. And you should definitely check it out.
1: Well, thank you for saying that, Rachel. Here's something I will plug though. I will also be at ATIA. So there might be uh, listeners of the podcast that I'll run into at ATIA. So if you're going to ATIA, hit me up, let me know you're going to be there and we'll try and hook up and, uh, and chat about the podcast and all, all things AAC related.
0: So Chris, tell us the specifics for people who are going to ATIA, where, th- where can they find your presentations?
1: Yeah. So, oh man, I got a bunch at ATIA. So the first one is I'm going to do with Beth Poss. Her and I have done uh, pre-conferences together for many, many years now at ATIA. And this year is no exception. Uh, It's called Right On. Now, a pre-conference means you have to come a day early and sign up and pay extra. um, But we've already got something like, I don't know, 16, 17 people signed up. So it's, that's pretty good turnout for, uh, for ATIA, a pre-conference, but there's still room. You can always come and sign up. It would be awesome if you were there. And it's all about writing strategies. Again, not specific to AAC, although we'll touch on, on writing in AAC. It's more just writing in general. So that's a full day on the 29th. And then I've got some fun ones coming up. So on the 30th, which is January 30th, so that's the Thursday of ATIA, so last year I was sitting at ATIA and I had gone to a presentation done by a group from um, Indiana called the Patents Group. And I was also in a, a separate session where there was people who were doing um, a session. They were from Florida and they're called the Fiddlers, right? So there are these two different organizations that, uh, one in Indiana, one in Florida, and they're super fun. The people that, uh, that participate in those organizations, you know, they're assistive technology organizations uh, in each of those states. But the way they put their presentations together, they're super fun. And I just was sitting there in these sessions watching them and I was thinking, it'd be so fun to do like a, a family feud style event. So I went to both of them and I said, hey, well, would you be interested in doing this? Patents versus Fiddlers. And I would be the the Richard Dawson, you know, I would be the the, the person that does the surveys and, uh, and hosts the show. And they were like, yes, let's totally do this. So that's coming up on the 30th. It's AT Feud, Patents versus Fiddlers. And I currently, the the last couple of weeks, I've been the host for AT Chat, which happens on Twitter. Um, and I've been asking questions. And as the people answer the questions on Twitter, I've been keeping those uh, kind of on a separate note for my survey questions, you know, for the feud.
0: Ooh, that sounds fun. Of course. Leave it to Chris Bouquet to make something super fun that might be boring otherwise. I love it.
1: Uh, I participate in um, the Smackdown sessions there as well. So there's an app Smackdown and a PD Smackdown. Have you ever heard of the Smackdown? Sounds like a wrestling move, but... (laughs) It is totally not like the wrestling move. But it's it's funny because everyone thinks it's some sort of competition because of that. But really the idea is that someone comes up and they present a tool or a strategy. They have two to three minutes to smack it down. Uh...
0: (laughs) Things are getting physical over there in the closet. (laughs) (laughs)
1: They have two or three minutes to smack it down and see, um, you know, give out that strategy to people, and then the next person comes up, and the next person comes up. So it's one after another, very fast. It is, I mentioned a tools dump earlier, how uh, Mike Murata and I are not doing a tools dump. These are sort of like a tools dump. You know, it's just as fast as you can uh, get out how you use this strategy. And there's two of those. One is the app smackdown, where it's specific to apps. You would love it. Um, Well, you actually love both of them because the one on Friday is the PD Smackdown, and that is all about professional development. So what are some fast strategies for PD? Ooh, I love these Smackdowns. And that's not all. So uh, Jane Odom, and this time we've invited Jeremy Legaspi, who also works for PRC. Both Jane and I will be kind of reprising the coding session that we're doing at FETC. We're going to be doing that one again at ATIA. And then on Saturday, kind of the final wrap-up is um, doing another AAC Agreements episode, which, you know, uh, doing another AAC Agreements uh, session, which, you know, we've had an episode on that.
0: Maybe we should do a, an, an AAC Agreements part two on the podcast.
1: We really should because they have grown since the last time we've done that. Ooh. You know, there's a whole website now and there's... Um, Uh, lots of different people are doing these sessions around the country, you know, so it's not just me, but, uh, there's other people that have done them. I know, um, uh, Sean Pearson and Chris Tchaikovsky-Kelly, who, uh, who were, you know, on the podcast in the past with the AAC agreements, they have done one at Closing the Gap. So, uh, the idea is to open source it, right? If you wanted to do an AAC agreements session, you could kind of use the slide deck and you could just have the conversation wherever, whatever session you're going to, whatever conference you're going to. I love that.
0: Chris, how do you even have time to sleep at night? All these presentations.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> Luckily, I collaborate with great people. You know, Beth Poss, I know you, again, jealous. Beth Poss got to meet you at Asha. You got to meet each other in Asha before you and I have ever met face to face. I know. Um, but it's- that's just it. I work with great people.
0: It's awesome. Well, I'm sad I'm not going to be at ATAA. I'm going to be here in California. I'm going to be, I think I might have mentioned this, but I'm an expert witness in a, in a court case, and that's the week of the trial. So unfortunately, I'll be here sweating bullets probably before I, I get on the stand.
1: <laughs> well, I can't wait till you can talk about all of that, if if you're allowed to eventually. Maybe I think after it's
0: after done, it. I'll be able to talk about it, and I'm dying to talk about it because there's so many things. There's so many things at play here.
1: I can imagine. I can imagine. I can't wait to hear all about it.
0: All right. Well, I'm excited. It's conference season. If you guys are going to FETC or ATIA, definitely find Chris Bougay. He'll be there. Take a photo with him. Make me jealous on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and without further ado, this is the part four, the final episode of all of the interviews that I did at ASHA. I hope you guys are having a great new year and we will look forward to talking to you guys next week. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today with Betsy Kennedy and Megan Murray. Ladies, I'm so excited to talk with you today. Hi, Rachel. How are you guys? We're doing great. So you had an amazing poster that I just saw, and I wanted to bring you guys on and have you guys talk about everything that you were researching. So go ahead and just give us a a five minute little wrap up of what you researched and the outcomes. Sure. So we work in a preschool setting. We have quite a few classrooms. The majority are students with autism spectrum disorders. And what we wanted to do is create a consistent language system that that was used across all classrooms. And we wanted to focus primarily on core words. So what we did to create a consistent language system across the classrooms was we created a small fun with words group that consisted of us choosing one core word. Every week we had a lesson and we started with a song. We used that word in a book and then we also used it in play. And what we did is we created large core boards for every classroom that we were working in, as well as small ones so kids had access to them. We also integrated their language systems. If they already had a high-tech system or they were using PEX or GoTalk,
2: we used core words using that as well. And the results were pretty interesting. Megan's gonna tell us about the results. I'm so excited. So we were able to see some really interesting things about how the carryover was happening. So when we started, we were just picking one word a week. And every week we would just come up with a different word and it might match the either what would be most functional for that student or a theme in a classroom. But what happened is, as the year went on, it's the winter time, kids are sick a lot, so we started repeating lessons. And even if we were repeating, we might come up with new activities, but we were still working on that same word. And what we found was when we repeated a word two weeks in a word, in a row, The kids were actually using the words more spontaneously that second week and needed a lot less prompting. So we saw that independence growing and that carryover growing. And then also throughout the whole year, we saw an increase in verbal attempts, even from our students who are functionally nonverbal. They were trying to say more and they were really tuning into the systems we were using. And generalizing it more.
0: Well, and I told you this at the poster session, but I find that a week for a core word isn't enough. I find that a month for a core word, you can't get through enough words. And so I love this idea of having, you know, two weeks for a specific word where, you know, maybe the first week you focus a lot on targeting and very structured activities. And then it's interesting to see how much of that is being carried over.
2: I think it also gives teachers and parents more time to get used to the idea of that word too and come up with more times they can use it. So hopefully by the end of that second week, they're using it all day long.
0: I know. I love that. And when anytime we can, we need to think about these things, right? Like a speech language pathologist, we need to just constantly be thinking, how can we incorporate parents? How we can we make this easier? I myself am always like going into classrooms and I keep having to tell myself, you you do this all day long. You like eat, live, breathe core words. That's not how it is for new parents, for teachers. So it's really important to have strategies that are achievable, right? Awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Of great course. talking to you. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I'm really excited to showcase your work and keep up the great work and you guys are in Wilmington, right? Yes. Yep. Wilmington, Delaware. Come I, and visit us. I will. I'm actually going to be home for the holidays. My dad lives in Westchester. So let's have a little an AAC coffee date. That's Perfect. right. We should. Awesome. Let's Thank you time. guys so much. Thank you. I'm here live at Asha with Heidi Lestraca from Speak for Yourself. Heidi, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. Always better when I see you. Oh, I love love love. <laughs> You're making me you. blush. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi actually is from very close to my hometown. Yes, so you yes. have a special place in my heart. Oh, well, you
3: mine too. Philadelphia's a great city. I
0: know. Honestly, every time I go back there, I think
3: it's changing so much and it's so different. They're really improving everything. They're about to start the Christmas festival, the Christmas village down um, down downtown. So we're excited about that. So
0: is it in City Hall or I know they moved to Love Park. Yes,
3: it's Love Park and it's also across the street in I think it's Dilworth. To, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure of the name of the park across the street, yeah. but right, they have the ice skating rink right by City Hall. So it's awesome. I love the city. The city feel to that time of year is yes. so great. Yes. Um, like
0: New York, Philly, Boston. I feel like when it's kind of crisp and... And everybody's more
3: friendly. Everything's
0: decorated.
2: <laughs> it's so, so it's yeah, true. Yeah.
3: It definitely feels like Christmas when you have the winter weather. I'm sure in California, it's not, not so much like that. Exactly. It's crazy. We
0: have an ice skating rink, but like you could literally probably wear a bathing Suit while you're ice skating, so that's
3: pretty impressive.
0: Let me just clarify: I'm not the one wearing a bathing
3: suit while I ice skate, <laughs> yeah, but here, some people ice skating bikini, <laughs> exactly. I it. I feel like it has fur on the top.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll rock that next year after yeah. uh, intense diet and exercise. <laughs> right,
3: exactly. Not after this week. Not after Exactly.
0: <laughs> not after conference food for right. four days. Well, Heidi, let's like touch base as far as speak for yourself. I know you have some new features. That you've added, um, and I'd love to hear about them.
3: Okay, great. Yeah, since um, last year, we've added we've added quite a bit. We're always updating, trying to improve. Um, we added Smart Search, which is a really nice um, addition to our search feature, which we already you know loved. That's one of, that's one of our favorite things about Speak for Yourself. Mm-hmm. But um, we actually added Smart Search so that people don't have to remember what words they couldn't find when they searched for them. So when you type in a word, like for example, cheese, that we did not put in the default vocabulary of Speak for Yourself. It's one of our major regrets. Um, (laughs) Hashtag regret. Yes. Um, But when you, so if you type that in, it's not in there. If you touch the little arrow, what it does is it puts it into the message window, Mm -hmm. and then it actually remembers that you tried to find it and couldn't. So when you're editing later and you're like, what was it that I wanted to add for this child, you can go into um, right within the editing and find that smart search smart search word so that you're able to add it right there. So it has like a history function of the words that you search. It saves the words that you searched and could not find. So it's awesome. So it really keeps a list of words that need to be added. And what that. we've had some kids, um, what we're finding they're doing is kids are searching for words by themselves and doing it so that later when mom or their speech therapist goes in there and says, oh, you know, what should we add? They actually have a whole list of words that they were trying to find and couldn't. So then somebody can go in and add it for them for the kids who have the spelling so it's really exciting. I love that, and let's just take a moment to remember
0: operational competencies. Absolutely. Because there's no reason that we need to take a child's device and program when we can involve them in the process, and you know, not only
3: does that teach a skill, but it also empowers students. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they love it. I mean, that's, I used to have kids who would type something in the search feature and show me that it wasn't there. So I'm like, this is a way that they can do that even if I'm not in front of them. They can, you know, do that and save it for me. So now I have kids that are showing me all the words that they were trying to search for and couldn't find. So now I have a way to do that even when I'm not there. So. I love that. I love that. It's exciting. What else, what else is new? Um, We just added a, a critical visual impairment vocabulary so, for your kids who have CBI and benefit from high contrast symbols, the aunt of one of our users actually hand drew all those little black and white symbols, um, Aunt Rita. Thank <laughs> you, Aunt Rita. Thank you, Aunt Rita, <laughs> you, aunt Rita. yes. So, um, she definitely, she and she shared them, um, you know, with Speak for Yourself to be able to have that setting in there for any child who has CBI. So, it helps our nephew, it also helps anyone else who's using Speak for Yourself. So, we're really happy about that and so grateful for our community that is so generous with everything. Thing they do. I mean, in their advice, in their support, so. Well, and as an app developer, I'm sure, you know, it's so crucial to have, you know,
0: constant communication with users and oh, family absolutely. members, and it helps you guys create a better app.
3: Yeah. Oh, it, it does, and it helps for them to have a better tool, because we definitely listen to them, and we appreciate that the last thing and the thing that we're really excited about because we've been working on it for such a long time um, is that we are going to revamp our light version and have it offer a 30 day free trial so for anybody who um, wants to be able to have speak for yourself in their hands for 30 days it's going to be the full app they're going to be able to do anything you can do on on the regular app they're going to be able to do in the trial for 30 days Um, we give copies to clinicians to evaluators to speech language pathologists but this way we, c- we can actually put it in the hands of a parent, of an adult who isn't sure if it's going to work for them mm-hmm. and you know they are looking for something so without them having to spend the money to purchase the full app, they can try it out for the 30 days. After the 30 days they're still going to have access to their vocabulary so if they've made any customizations and they um, didn't download them in time, they're going to have when the trial expires, they're going to be able to have that vocabulary saved so that if they decide to purchase the full version, they don't have to redo any of the editing. They'll also have access to all their history data. So if it's somebody who's doing it to show what a child did during that 30-day trial, they'll be able to pull that data off even after the trial expires. So I have a, a actually
0: interesting story to share about something that's sort of related, but not exactly. Um, I, a few years ago, was really interested in organizing my life. And so oh. I thought, oh, let me try. I tried a bunch of um, to-do list apps. And I found one that I really liked. did not realize that it was like a 30 day trial I spent like two hours one day just like complete brain dump into this thing I like everything I need to do for the next like 30 years was on that list oh, no. and what happened was they the the trial expired so I went in one day because I was like you know building a habit and I opened it up in the morning <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh what I could not access a single thing oh no and I was like if it, it, it cornered me I had to buy yeah.
2: <laughs> and You're it was like, expensive. I need it, <laughs> it was like a
0: 50 I always tell it was like the most expensive to do list Up, but by the time I was like done getting whatever I needed for my Mac and my phone and all the integrations, it was like seventy-five dollars for this app. Oh wow! And so I was like, I will use this app for the rest of my life, so I can get my money's worth. I
3: really, I am. I honestly (laughs) think I I might use it for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So it's already paid you back. Exactly. But yeah, so this is. I mean, they won't be able to actually use the app unless they buy the full version. But they won't lose all of the customizations they made when they do buy the full version. They won't have to reprogram anything. So which is amazing. Yeah. and
0: I love the idea of having the ability to try something, because what happens when we do assessments is it's so challenging to have such a short amount of time often. Right. Um, and so to have something that parents can have for a month, yeah. I mean, how how crucial is that in informing our decision-making process of whether or not um, a certain app will be successful? Um, you know, with the caveat of it's not always successful within 30 days, as successful as you right. might. You have
3: to do modeling. Exactly. You have Exactly. Like, of it aided language input, but I mean, it is also a confidence in Speak for Yourself and in our app that if you try it for 30 days, that we have the confidence that you're going to want to purchase it, that your child's going to say something on it, that it's going to make some difference because we do get feedback all the time within a short amount of time that, oh my gosh, they've already figured it out. They're already using it. They already asked me for toast. They already asked me for water, whatever it is that, you know, uh, was motivating to them, whatever it is that they were shown that they're doing it relatively quickly, so...
0: The other reason that I really love this is because there's so many kids who have some verbal language, some verbal output that would still benefit from AAC. And so it's a really low stake way to just say, try this for a little bit, you know, have clinicians try it in a session um, and see how much further a child's language can expand when you give them access to a high tech AAC.
3: Exactly. To actually see what your child thinks about it. And I mean, even for that time in between where if a, a clinician has tried it with, them and recommended it, and they've decided to go through one of the companies to buy it through insurance, you know, that they have, they, in the meantime, the parent can download the app on the iPad and the child can have access to it for those 30 days at, at no cost, so. And the other thing, too, and
0: not a lot of clinicians understand that most app developers will give them a copy of their app to trial uh, with students, so I'm sure this will also bring more SLPs who are working, you know, in the schools and don't know they have access to all of these systems. Um, they can bring them in, too. Exactly. Um, it's, it's free. For a specific <laughs> yeah. student. So, Heidi, I love what you guys are doing.
3: I'm really uh, excited for this, all these new updates. Yes. We're, we're hoping that that'll be out um, by the end of the year or early, like in January, so early next year. So, we're excited for I mean, we've it's like I said, it's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of work. Yeah. So, we're really thankful have to, have to our developer for that, too, because. I know. <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, the behind the scenes for yes.
0: something. like It's like, hey, I have this, like, idea in my head. Like, you make it happen. <laughs>
3: yeah. You're like, I've gotten really good at writing in detail what my ideas in my head are in a developmental way. So it's um, it's worked out well. And I mean, he really does. That's what I said. It's like he makes our dreams come true. He puts the magic into the app. Um, you know, whatever it is that we think of, he makes happen. And we're like, how's that work? It's just magic. I know.
0: So, it's so cool. It's so yeah. cool to have an idea and then actually execute it, right? And it see how it comes and unfolds. Oh,
3: it is. I mean, the whole app, it really is. It's, our, it's a dream come true. So. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Heidi, it's always a pleasure to, to see you and have you on the podcast. You
3: too. Rachel, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And on this last day of ASHA, we're up. I know. We're wrapping tired. Up. <laughs> yeah, we're it's tired. Been a, it's been a long
0: week. <laughs> it has. But, you know, it's been all good things. And I feel like the, the beautiful thing about ASHA is you leave and then you think back and you get so inspired and excited about all the connections that you made, all the things that you learned um, and it's kind of
3: a breath of fresh air into your practice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you are. You're definitely refreshed and you're ready to like move on. We've had so many great stories and people coming up and, and you know talking to us about the difference it's making and then new people who have never heard of us which is you know beneficial too. That's what Renee says they're her favorite.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: exactly. People
0: who
3: have never heard of it before because we get to introduce it to them and then they can come see us next
0: year. Well exactly and now you know come 2020 they're going to be able to download your app and start using it right away exactly (laughs) amazing well Heidi thank you so much for stopping by oh thanks Rachel have a safe trip home thank you I'm here live at ASHA with Daisy Clay from Smartbox Daisy how are you today I'm good thank you
4: yeah so excited to have you here you are the creator of Supercore tell me all about it So Supercore is a core vocabulary system that I created and designed for Smartbox, which is an AAC company and uh, yeah it uses a lot of research and I did a talk on it yesterday which loads of people came to which was great, Uh, just going through all of the research that I used when I was making it and designing it and all of the research that kind of surrounds it and supports the ideas that I used. I love that, and Smartbox is a
0: company that's really huge in the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. And you guys are trying to branch into the United States,
4: and people, I have to
0: tell you, Daisy showed me Supercore, and I'm super impressed.
4: Thank you. Yeah, we've had a lot of enthusiasm. I showed it. Well, I've showed it to loads of people since we've been here, and uh, the reaction's just been really positive. Loads of people excited to try it with their users, and well, it's been great. It's so interesting. I want you to walk us through the process, kind
0: of. I mean, it feels like when someone says, "Hey, we want you to create an AAC vocabulary," that feels like a huge. Overwhelming, daunting task.
4: Oh, it was! It absolutely was. It's it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, so yeah, it was it was really, really challenging. But it was absolutely great because it just gave me the opportunity to bring together all of the ideas, um, things I've seen over the years, my clinical experience. So I'm a speech therapist as well, and uh, and just basically run with it and and put all those ideas together into one thing that I really believed in. So so, how long did the entire process take from start to finish? Um it actually took 6 months which doesn't sound like very long but it was 6 months of actually living doing absolutely nothing except working on supercore i just lived lived supercore for 6 months and didn't sleep very much
0: That sounds like when i have a project that i'm really excited about i like deep dive so hard i'm like you know, I'm staying up to like two in the morning, I'm waking up super early. It's like, I just like completely dive in. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with Supercore. Yeah,
4: absolutely, yeah. I didn't really speak to my husband very much. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was really great. I, um, I really enjoyed it. And then actually we did, uh, we made a version of Supercore for, um, the initial launch, and then it was so popular, we had loads of feedback, people saying, this is really great, but actually, maybe the user I'm working with can't deal with that many symbols on one page. And so we made a lower cell count version. So now there's two versions um, of Supercore, and we launched that. And that was another six months of, yeah, doing nothing but Supercore. (laughs) I love it. So if you could encapsulate
0: you know, in a sentence or two, what makes Supercore different? Because I feel like there's a ton out there um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, the
4: one or two things that you think make Supercore shine. Uh, Yeah, sure. So, um, well, it's based on a lot of research. As I said, I just kind of took all of the research I could get my hands on. We have a lot of research looking at core vocabulary in different groups. So, uh, young children, adults, people using AAC, people using speech, and there's some more recent research of uh, core vocabulary in children with disabilities like Down syndrome. So, I just gathered all of that together and looked at the frequency of different core words and how much it appeared in those different groups. uh, And then that made me... um, That allowed me to really come up with a core vocabulary that was arranged by frequency and how useful those words would be. Uh, so that's how vocabulary is organized, but then the key difference is that we have dynamic columns which go down the right-hand side of the vocabulary and give you access to more of your specific fringe words, and also activity-specific words. and then you can have those alongside the core vocabulary. So you get to practice using core words and learning core words in loads and loads of different contexts. so things like getting dressed, things like washing, going to sleep, going shopping, and then fun activities like playing with bubbles or playing with Play-Doh, Mr. Potato Head, reading a story, and you get those dynamic columns with that activity-specific vocabulary alongside your core. So you don't have to do loads of navigation and you don't have to focus on teaching navigation whilst you're using those activities. Once you're in it, you can stay there and you can just focus on the language.
0: Mm, I love that, I love that. And it's interesting, I haven't seen another system that approaches uh, the motor planning aspects the way that Supercore does. Um, and I actually really like it because I was telling you, you know, a lot of the templates, they have you know, supporting motor planning and um, the buttons stay in the same place, but I kind of like the idea of having all—it's uh, kind of like a mini core board on the left-hand side, and then you know the dynamic yeah, changing yeah. is only happening on the right, um, which I haven't seen before, and I really I think it looks really great.
4: Yeah, it reduces the visual complexity as well because you've got such a significant part of the grid that isn't changing; it's always staying the same. Yes, and yeah, like I say, you can practice using those core words across loads of different situations, um, and really just build up your confidence in using them. Yeah. Uh, and consistency is also a huge huge part of Supercore. Words stay in the same place because whilst there isn't perfect research that says this is exactly how to design a vocabulary, there is research that says don't move the words around (laughs) because it will be quicker quicker to find the words if they stay in the same place. So there's a lot of consistency um, between the core words, but there are also other things I've done in Supercore like semantically linked words. So words which are semantically related on different grids will also be in the same place. So things like ambulance, paramedic, and hospital, all of those words are actually in the same place in the same cell on different grids. So you can build on previous learning. If you've learned where one of those words is, you go to a new grid, you know where to look for that word. Love it, love it. Daisy, thank
0: you so much for stopping by and chatting with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome to Talking with Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Jenny Burem. Jenny, thank you so much. You're here with us, and we're live at ASHA
5: yeah this
0: is so great and fun I cannot wait to deep dive with you about a proxy of speech you are such a expert in the field and I love following all of your work on social media and I'm just I just want to dive right in because I have a million questions. Obviously we have a podcast dedicated to AAC. We have a lot of students that we work with who have significant challenges. Childhood apraxia of speech is something that I I don't work with directly, but indirectly I work with a lot of students. So first, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your business. You're doing amazing things.
5: So I'm in private practice in Overland Park, Kansas, and currently right now I see about 24 kids a week with a diagnosis of child apraxia of speech, either kids that have come to me with that diagnosis or children that I have diagnosed myself. Um, So I think... Probably over the past five or six years, I've really dug into CIS, really made sure that I've attended any, you know, extra education that I possibly could to complement all the work I've been doing, excuse me, and just really made sure that I was informed and using the most and best research to support my practice, and then also helping others in that space. So I've been presenting more, and I've created Bjorn speech publications to um, create some of the tools that I use in my therapy that I find successful to help other speech therapists and parents um, help children, specifically with CS, but others as well.
0: And you presented in that right? right? I did. I
5: presented for three hours yesterday. <laughs> I
0: know. it's a long time. It was
5: great. I spoke the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I'm really excited to dive into apraxia. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what are some red flags? Because I feel like there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings about apraxia of speech. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of clinicians listening thinking, uh, is that apraxia? I'm not sure.
5: Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions is that there might be just one or two red flags. And the red flags that most people resort to as far as apraxia is inconsistent errors on repeated trials. So, hey, I've got this kid that's inconsistent. Well, there's a lot more that goes into it than just inconsistency. And I'd say inconsistency is one of those red flags that we see pretty much across the board. But according to research, there's probably about 11 red flags. And so we need to look at those across different speech tasks and make sure that we're seeing a consistency in those red flags to have a differential diagnosis of CAS. So some more of the red flags would be consonant distortions, vowel distortions, an intrusive schwa, initial articulatory configuration difficulty, difficulty with multisyllabic words, um, prosody issues, um, slow rate. So there's a whole bunch of these. And if you look at um, kind of the gold standard, the Mayo 10, or some of even the latest research by Overby and Kasperi that talks about um, the early signs of CIS from birth to two years of age. Mm. Yeah, so when you are getting that background information, you know, getting that early on information from parents to find out, is that going to help support your diagnosis? Right, and it's not just, it's not an easy diagnosis to make. It's not, and it's one that I think... I would say between sixty to seventy percent of speech therapists definitely don't feel comfortable making, um, myself included, and that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, but there is supportive research out there to help you with that. Um, Edith Strand just came out with the DEMS, which mm. is an excellent resource, and you don't have to pay for protocols. They, you download them free off the internet. Yes. Love
0: it! Love I great. love anything free.
5: That's uh, great. <laughs> um, so there is, an ApraxiaKids.org is a an Mm -hmm. excellent spot great spot to go uh apraxia kids is actually having their boot camp this summer Mm -hmm. uh this coming summer you have to apply for it and i've been through that and that was amazing that's in pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and it's a great way to get really in-depth training so it's out there i just feel like the education at the graduate level is not there Mm -hmm. and it's just one that speech therapists feel uncomfortable and unsure about because they may have one kid on their caseload, especially in the school setting for, you know, their whole time they practice. So it's It's not something like me. I get to do it every single day. Right.
0: And when you have the diagnosis of apraxia, how does that change your treatment? Because I know there's a lot of overlap, too, with phonological processes. Like, it's not usually cut and dry. Yeah, there's a lot of
5: comorbidity going on with other things. So you definitely want to take a motor planning approach. And Mm -hmm. for me, I see a lot of younger kids um, from the age of two... Uh, to 10 is probably my caseload, uh, but mostly younger. And DTTC works really well for me. So dynamic, temporal, and tactile cue- cueing by Dr. Ida Strand. And you can get trained on that for free. It's You can get online and get free CEUs and get DTTC training for free. I did and not it works. realize it
0: was free. It's
5: amazing. She is phenomenal Mm -hmm. i always tell people like if you're gonna just google D T T C edith strand (laughs) dallas and then it'll come (laughs) up and you can take the course for free and you get free ceus as well Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's definitely worth it Um, since i've taken her online course and her live course she's Mm -hmm. got an in-person course as well that you can apply for uh my therapy has completely changed
0: yeah, I can imagine. Let's talk a little bit about your business too. Besides the practice that you do, I know you have a lot of really great resources, um, and I really love your vision of sharing the information that you have, and you're wonderful on social media and all of the the things that your business are, are creating. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about all of the other resources and trainings and things that you have to offer through uh, BRM Speech Publications.
5: So I think one of the biggest things the feedback I get from therapists is thank you so much for for all the work you do on Instagram and meeting in private practice. I'm very, very blessed to have the parents in my therapy room mm-hmm. at all times. And then parents say, yeah, go ahead and post my kid all over social media so that you can share your knowledge and show these therapy sessions with everybody out there. And I think that's what I get most is I learn so much from you watching you do therapy mm-hmm. on social media. So I think that's probably number one. And I, my Bjorn speech sound cues have been a great support for Mm -hmm. families and therapists and I think I feel like I've gotten really really good feedback I don't want to like (laughs) <laughs> no, I, 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 like
0: I can that. talk but it you know, up for you. They're wonderful.
5: Thank you. Uh, but we do, we get really good feedback because the kids can relate to them, cu- the cues and they understand them quickly at a very young age and they feel empowered and it's hopeful. And then, you know, our goal is to fade those cues and mm-hmm. take those away. So, But it gives them an initial support and and pull in support when needed. So And they're super fun. They are fun. You guys definitely artist, have to check them out. <laughs> she is fabulous. We're really excited about the work She's done with the art.
0: I love it. So uh, obviously, we have a podcast dedicated to AAC. So I would love for you to share some ideas. We have clinicians who are focusing a lot on AAC, and myself included, I try to take it a total communication approach with the children that I work with. I'm not just doing AAC, you know, I'm working on a lot of different things. Are there some things that clinicians can start? Working on during their sessions to help support children who have childhood apraxia of speech.
5: Well, if they know they have childhood apraxia of speech, and you know you're using whole language, but yet your goal is to get verbals mm-hmm. out of them, I think you know definitely be trained in DTTC. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, get a sound repertoire. What sounds mm-hmm. does this child have in their repertoire? Whether it's spontaneous or imitated or stimulable for, and come up with some really functional target words for you to you know work on in therapy so that they can get some verbals and It works. It really does. Even those kids that are minimally verbal Mm -hmm. um, and the younger kids, I think Carrie Ebert talks a lot about, you know, those younger kids that with suspected CAS or minimally verbal or nonverbal, you know, working on a lot of environmental sounds, Mm -hmm. play-based, meaningful, uh, giving them those power words, using those core words. Right. Yeah.
0: And that's the other thing too, is that it doesn't have to be this either-or approach. We can work on speech if a child, you know, tries to say an approximation of a word, we can always model it on the device Absolutely. Um, and that's what I usually tell teams it doesn't have to be one or the other we can do a hybrid approach do
5: it together exactly yeah, for sure
0: so for our listeners who are interested in learning more
5: about you where can they find you online Instagram is probably my (laughs) biggest spot. I'm on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and my website. Everything is Bjorm Speech. So Bjorm Speech on Facebook, Bjorm Speech on YouTube, Bjorm Speech on Instagram. and All the things. All the things. (laughs) All the cues is what I always say. (laughs) All the cues.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Jenny. I really appreciate you coming today live at ASHA um, for Talking With Tech. I'm Rachel Madel, joined with Jenny Bjorm. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.
5: Thanks for having me.
4: Yeah. Please listen carefully.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod, and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android and on our website, www.SpeechScience.org slash Speech Science Podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question, what is communication? You're listening to The Exceptional Podcast Network.